Take your Bibles this morning, please, and turn to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. What do you look for in a healthy church? First thing you look for is biblical preaching. Because in order for a body of believers to be healthy, they must have a foundation upon which to build their lives. Jesus said, sanctify them through thy word, thy word is truth. And without the preaching and teaching of the word of God, there would be no foundation. You also look at the mission of that local assembly of believers. What do they believe God has given to them as an assignment in their community? How are they going to fulfill the wonder of God where they live? We have a mission statement. And it is to multiply Christ-like disciples who are passionate about their God, obedient to His Word, dependent upon Him through prayer, connected to one another, authentic and relevant in their witness so that we might multiply Christ-like disciples. The cycle never ends. Because you and I and this local assembly of believers have been called to make a difference in this community and it is a God-given assignment. We have learned that passion matters. And that's not just an outward excitement. It's not just an enthusiasm about what we're doing or where we are. Because not all of us are enthusiastic. And as I look at you this morning, I can verify that. It was wonderful to... Stand up here and sit up here and watch the choir. They're enthusiastic now, huh? But passion matters. Passionate about our God because of who our God is. Amen? We have a great God. And we started our service this morning with this truth. God is good. And all the time. That's a passion that ought to be lived out in our lives. Obedience. Obedience to his word is critical. Because if it's all about biblical teaching, then this book will either keep us from sin or sin will keep us from this book. And obedience is that which validates our lifestyle as being connected with Jesus. And we'll talk about that this morning. Do you believe in prayer? Does prayer matter? Have you seen God answer your prayers? Have you identified God working in your life? Now prayer is more than just getting on our knees and spending 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes with God. Because Jesus reminded us that we are to pray without ceasing. We are in everything to give thanks, for it's the will of God. And every part of our lives needs to be committed to God. And every need that we experience in our lives, God already knows about and we can share with Him. That's why we enter into the closet, the place where we keep all the junk. You got any junk in your life? 
You know, you can't hide it behind a door as far as God is concerned. And I am thankful for that. There is nothing freer than being able to be transparent. You try to hide something, and that'll get you caught, won't it? You might as well admit it. You might as well fess up. You might as well identify it because God already knows about it. And I am so thankful that God cares about every detail of our lives. Amen? And prayer is a big part of our assignment. This morning, and I'm not sure we're going to get all the way through it, I'm struggling a bit this morning because I want to make sure we don't miss some truth here. And because of that, we may well carry it into next week. In fact, we probably will carry it into next week. So I'm just telling you, all right? Because connectedness is part of the Christian life that identifies us not only with Jesus, but identifies us with the family of God as we realize the working of the gospel in our relationships and as reality as we walk in this world. It's always fun to find people who are connected. I mean, you mention a name, and if you're talking to certain people, they say, I know that person. Some of you are like that. And it's always fun to identify the different people that different people know. Now, maybe you've heard the the concept of six degrees of separation. That means that you and I are only six people away from knowing everybody in the world. Now, here's the way that works. If you know someone who knows 44 people, and they know 44 people who are different than those 44 people, and you spread it out just six degrees, all of a sudden, you know 7.2 billion people. And that's how many people there are in the world. That's connectedness, isn't it? You know, the Bible talks about how we are to be connected. We are connected as the family of God. Those of us who know Jesus Christ as personal Savior have been born again into the family of God. And we are brothers and sisters in Christ. John 1, 12, but as many as receive Christ, to them are privileged to become the children, family of God, even to them that believe on his name. And we could go to Romans chapter 8 where it says we've been adopted into the family whereby we call our father Abba, Papa. We have that close relationship with him. Amen? Isn't that great? When you think about the body, we think about the different parts of the body. My throat is not operating the way I wish it would this morning. But it's still part of my body. And sometimes parts of the body don't operate the way they're supposed to, but they're still part of the body. We're studying spiritual gifts in our ABF classes this year. 
And that reminded us that God has equipped us within the body with different gifts to serve the body and to make a difference for his honor and his glory. So you may be an ear, you may be an eye, you may be a mouth, you may be a finger, you may be a toe, you may be a knee. You may be something internal that is not seen very much but is very vital. You're part of the body. You're connected. And frankly, when the body isn't functioning the way it's supposed to function, then it's not as effective as it could be. If you look in Scripture, you see some 40-plus responsibilities that we have one to another. There are 40 times in the New Testament where it says that you and I not only have a relationship with one another, but are accountable to one another and help one another grow. Four of them tell us that we're to kiss one another. Three times with a holy kiss and once with a loving kiss. That's connected. I'm going to watch you after the service and see how connected you are. But I think that just identifies our close relationship with each other. Don't lose that. Some weeks ago, I went to Peter and Christopher uh, Pollock, and I, I said to them, do you have some kids that can read some verses for me? And they said, yes, they did, and through Lindsey Brower and Brenda Eubank, we've, we've put together a collage. Less than three minutes. But our kids are going to just remind us of a few of the responsibilities we have one to the other, all right? So Brenda, can we play that, please? 1 Thessalonians 4.18. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. 1 Thessalonians 4.18. Colossians 3.13, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Colossians 3.13. Galatians 6, 1 and 2, brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Ephesians 4, 29 through 32. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that they may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. Ephesians 4, 29-32. First Peter 4, 9 and 10. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. 1 Peter 4, 9, and 10. Romans 14, 19. 
Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Romans fourteen nineteen. First Peter one twenty two. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. First Peter one twenty two. Galatians five thirteen. You, my brother, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. Galatians 5.13. Do you get the idea? We are accountable to one another. We have a responsibility to one another. And the connectedness that we have within the body of Christ and here at Calvary Baptist Church is to evidence the wonder of our relationship with our God. Now, Paul was connected to the believers at Philippi. If you want to read about that connectedness, you can go to Acts chapter 16 and Acts chapter 20 where we discover his two visits to Philippi. Now, Philippi is clear up in the middle of the screen here. And Paul went to Philippi on his second and third missionary journeys. On his second missionary journey, the first time he was there, he connected with a lady named Lydia. Lydia was a seller of purple. <clears throat> Excuse me. She was one who worshiped God. And Paul introduced her to the true God. And it made a difference. Now, also on that first trip to Philippi, Silas was with Paul, and they got thrown in jail. Boy, it makes you want to go back, doesn't it? But it was an unusual visit in jail because at midnight, Paul and Silas were singing praises to God. Now, this ought to tell us something about the effectiveness of music because as that happened, the gates were unlocked. You know, music can unlock a lot of things in your lives if you get the right focus. I am so thankful we started with the doxology today, right? Praise God, from whom all blessings, God is good all the time, all blessings flow. And that will unlock our lives to the freedom we have in Christ. Well, in Paul and Silas' life, it unlocked the jail. Cool. Now, there was a jailer who was responsible for the prisoners. And it was his assignment to make sure they stayed locked up. Now he's got a problem. And because he thought the prisoners were going to escape, he was going to take his own life. But yet Paul and Silas spoke out and said, hey, don't do that. We're still here. Boy, that was a work of God, wasn't it? And you know what happened? The jailer and all of his family were introduced to the gospel. Amen? You can imagine now how that experience connected Paul to the other believers within the community of Philippi, and he went back again. 
Paul is now writing to the believers because they have given him a gift. Thank you notes are good. Gratitude is a good thing. Appreciation is a good thing. And so Paul is writing a thank you note to these people that he's connected with and encouraging them, recognizing their investment in his life. And he is reminding them of their connectedness to each other and to Jesus Christ. You still with me? Let me read for you the first four verses of Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only on his own interests, but also on the interests of others. Paul says, if you want to be connected here are principles that you can use in your life to exhibit what God is doing in your life. Now, as we read verse 1 of chapter 2, if you have a King James Version, or if you have an American Standard Version, it says, therefore. And every time there's a therefore, we want to see what it's there for, all right? So I want this morning to spend some time reminding us about what really connects us together. So we need to go back to chapter 1. And in chapter 1, we are reminded five different times about what connects us. And I'm going to give it to you and then we're going to look at it. What connects us is the gospel. It's not about rooting for the same athletic team. Although you may be connected with some people who root for the same athletic team. I have fun with people who wear Sparty on the outside of their jersey. And here's what I do. I go up to them and say, I'm a state friend too. And they usually stick out their hand and ready to congratulate me and I grab it so they can't get a full swing. And then I say, that's an Ohio State fan. Sorry, any Sparty people who are out here today. It's not that we go to the same restaurants. It's not that we belong to the same clubs. It's not that we have the same employment. It's not that we have the same styles or preferences. It's the gospel that brings us together. It's the wonder of what God has done to make us his very own and put us in his family. It's the recognition that you and I have a personal relationship with the holy God. 
It's the gospel. Now let me just say this. The next time you get crosswise with a member of the body of Christ, can you remind yourself that it's the gospel that is really important? I'll upset you. I'm sorry. I apologize. You'll upset me. You're sorry. You apologize. But that's not what connects us. What connects us is the gospel. Now, I told you I was going to show you these in chapter 1. Are you there? Philippians chapter 1. Look with me at verse 5. Because of your partnership in the gospel. Circle the word gospel. Underline the word gospel. Make note of the word gospel. Look down at verse 7. At the end of the verse it says, my imprisonment and in defense and confirmation of, what's the word? Let's try this one more time. My imprisonment, my defense, my confirmation of the? Thank you. Jump down to verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the? Jump down to verse 16. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the? And jump down to verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the? Of Christ. It's the gospel that makes a difference in our lives. Now, I think it's important that we understand what the gospel is. Most of us who are in this worship center this morning have been partakers of the gospel. But I don't want to assume that everyone in this worship center this morning understands the gospel. And I'm going to try my very, very best to take it out of church speak. I mean, we know the words, right? We know the connects. We understand the terms. But the gospel isn't about words. It isn't about terms. It isn't about the connects. The gospel is all about God's love as he gave his son to be our savior. And I just used some church speak. So let me very clearly, and I, and I trust that those of you who know Jesus Christ as personal savior will be encouraged by this. And it will just remind you of the wonder of our relationship with God because it's not by works of righteousness that you and I have done. It's according to God not giving us what we deserve, God's mercy. See, I tried to define a church speak there. God not giving to us what we do deserve, His mercy, that He saved us. It all begins with we're all sinners. Now that's church speak. There are three words used in the New Testament to identify sin. One word talks about 
that which is not righteousness. That which is not righteousness is sin. Another word helps us understand that transgressing God's law, not following God's truth, is sin. But the common word that is used to identify sin is missing the mark. God is holy. And anytime we miss that mark, we sin. Dave used the term imperfect. None of us are perfect. I wish I were a nobody. Because nobody's perfect. I'm not. All of, all of us miss the mark. Now, most of the time it bothers it when we miss it by a mile, right? But anytime we miss the mark of God's holiness, God's perfection in our lives, we sin. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That simply means that God is way up here and we're not. We're someplace else. Now, I don't know where you are in this someplace else, but you're someplace else. Because you've missed this mark of holiness in your life. Now, there's good news and bad news. Bad news first, we're not there. And we cannot have a relationship with God in and of ourselves, not there. Good news, we're all here. Wherever you are in this, we're all here. And we all fall short of the perfect standard found in the holiness of our God. Not only that, but the wages of sin is death. Because we're not perfect. Because we don't meet the holy standard. You and I someday will die and enter eternity. Adam and Eve. You remember back in Genesis, God created man and put him in the garden, made woman. And you remember what God saw? It's good. And he looked at everything that he had created. He said, it's very good. And God put Adam and Eve in this perfect environment. I, I can't imagine it. I'm sure it wasn't Michigan. It may have been Ohio, but it wasn't Michigan. A little levity helps. But put him in his perfect environment and said, you can have it all except. I have one piece of instruction for you. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because in the day you eat of that, the day you leave this like I created you, you're going to die. Satan came along and said, hey, God's given it to you pretty good, hadn't he? Eve said, sure has. He's given it all good to us. And Satan said, well, what about this tree over here? That looks pretty good. Eve says, uh, we, we, can't eat, we can't touch that one. 
That wasn't what God said. And you can start to see how God's perfect standard is being devalued in Eve's life. So Eve went over and looked at it. Oh, it was pleasant to the eyes. Must have been a red delicious apple. Uh, By the way, you know the problem in the Garden of Eden was not the apple on the tree, it was the pear on the ground. And it looked like it's nourishing. And it might even help my mental capacity and make me wise. And they violated God's instruction. Took themselves away from His perfection as He had intended them to be. And that's what started it all. And the scripture says they died. All you got to do is read Genesis chapter 5. And we have a great listing of the patriarchs. And you know what's common? They died. They died. They died. There's only one who was taken to heaven without dying, and that was Elijah. They died. You see, when you violate God's standard, and we all have, because nobody's perfect, you die. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So you have a real contrast here, don't you? You have death, which is difficult at best. And you have eternal life which is wonderful beyond imagination and description. So the question is, how do you get there? How do you get the gift? Well, God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, somebody died in our place. In order for you and I to have eternal life, somebody had to die. Because the wages have to be paid. Christ died for our sins. Think about that. Christ died for you. He died for me. He went to the cross and shed his precious blood in payment for our sins. God laid on him the iniquity, the sin, the missing the mark, the imperfections of us all. They were placed on the perfect one. Jesus Christ On the cross, Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know why that was true? It was true because God's holy. And Jesus Christ became sin for us. And a holy God. Remember? And Christ died in our place. He took our sin. He was the sacrifice. That's the gospel. 
So what do you do with it? The Bible says, believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. That simple? Yep. You receive the gift of eternal life that God wants to give to you. You recognize that God's love is offered. You say, I want that love. Greater love has no man than this. God so loved the world that he gave. Love. Isn't it great to be loved? My wife was gone for eight days, not that I was counting. This past week, she got home at 6.25 Friday night. I had a deacon's retreat, 6.30 Friday night. And it wasn't at home. When I left at 9 o'clock, Pastor Spencer said to me, give your wife a hug. I thought, yeah. And we did. We even kissed. But it's okay. Four times, remember? Love. A recognition of someone's unconditional investment in our lives. Romans says that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you can be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There it is, folks. That's the gospel. That Christ died for our sins according to scriptures. He's buried and rose again. According to That's the gospel. And as many as receive him, to them are given the wonder of being his children. A relationship with God and with each other. So if we're going to be connected, there is only one way to be connected. And that is through the gospel. And it's the gospel that makes all the difference in the world. May I say this, please? The only reason to disconnect from a body of Christ is when they violate the gospel. Some of you are here because the body of believers that you used to be associated with violated the gospel. It's the only reason that you ought to be disconnected or think about getting disconnected. Because it's the gospel. And the gospel ought to make a difference in our lives. What difference does it make? May I go back to our text, which we didn't get to at all today. And may I just read it for you again? Here's the difference. Difference makers. Because of the gospel. So, therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ... 
comfort of love, participation of the Spirit, any affection, sympathy, <clears throat> complete my joy. You want to make me happy? Paul said, you want to make me happy? Be of the same mind. Now, may I stop right there? What mind is that? That's the mind of Christ. It's not the mind of the preacher. It's not the mind of the deacons. It's the mind of Christ. Verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Back to verse 2. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. And then there's two positives and two negatives. The negatives, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Positives, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only on his own interests, but also on the interests of others. And how are we able to do that? We are only able to do that because of the gospel. Have you trusted Jesus Christ as personal Savior? Has the gospel affected your life personally? If you were to stand before God and God were to say, why should I let you into my heaven? Would you be able to share with God it's because of the gospel? Your son died for my sins and I received the gift of eternal life through your son Jesus have you done that today? If not, you need to. I was privileged yesterday to share with some folks the memory of Keith and Orton. Not too many weeks ago, I went to see Keith and she was sitting up in a chair in some pain, but able to communicate and share and knew who I was. Two weeks later, she was unresponsive. I tell you that because none of us has any guarantee of what the next two weeks, not to mention the next two days or the next two hours, holds in our lives. Please, please. Don't reject the gospel until it's too late. And those of us who know the gospel, who have experienced the gospel, understand how God expects us to be connected. It makes a difference. Next week, we're going to study those first four verses and talk about how we are to be connected because of the gospel. And we're also next week going to talk about how we can write our relationships in a healthy way when they do not reflect the gospel. And I don't always reflect the gospel as I should, and neither do you. And sometimes it affects us with tension, and we're not as connected as we should be. So we'll talk about that next week, all right?
I'm going to make a statement, and I want you to respond with the gospel. It's all about 